I'm Adam Epstein, and I'm a dirty moderate. Dirty moderates, it's the last day of June, which makes it the last day of pride. This is my official stay dirty, stay moderate pride celebration. Or is it? And what do I mean by that? Why don't I have an exclamation point about pride, LGBTQ pride? Listeners who listen to this know that I'm gay. I've been out of the closet since I'm 20 years old. Blessedly, I had a wonderful journey uh, discovering who I was. I didn't face thoughts of hate or, or self-destruction. I was met with very few obstacles, if any. I was greeted by a supportive community inside the theater, which I was at the time, uh, and outside, both at home and in my life, which of course sounds like some rosy made up trajectory, but it isn't. But because of that, right, I always had a certain level of, I guess, a deeper well of empathy for those whose lives have been made more difficult, though many people still are brave and have courage. Far too many people have grave fears and self-doubts and are worried about, can they live their life as who they are? The answer is you can. But I have a question mark at the end of today's happy pride, as I say, because this episode I call Pride, Prejudice, and Privacy. You all know that the last two weeks have been a disaster in American life as the Supreme Court in almost all 6-3 decisions stripped away a lot of rights. Most notably, they decimated Roe v. Wade and Casey, Planned Parenthood versus Casey, sending abortion back to the states, which just means that a majority or a handful, more than a handful of states are, are going to ban it. We've talked about that many times. States, seven or eight states already had trigger laws, meaning those laws go into effect. But in that opinion, in that opinion, there was some scary stuff, very scary stuff, most notably that Sam Alito, who wrote it, frothing at the mouth, didn't see a constitutional right to privacy, meaning abortion didn't fit in that milieu. A woman's right to her own body, to her own decisions, didn't comport, according to this conservative court in Alito, who wrote the majority opinion, with the Constitution. I think you probably all read, if you haven't read, saying that given that um, Roe was grounded in the right to privacy and substantive due process and equal protection, and I mean, all of the privacy protections are, that is. So was the Burgerfell v. Hodges, right? The landmark case making gay marriage, same-sex marriage, the law of the land. Griswold v. Connecticut made contraception a federal right, a private right that women and people were entitled to. And Clarence Thomas and all of his, I think he's actually a cancer on the country, is what the way I describe Clarence Thomas. But Clarence Thomas and all his venom and all his narrow bigoted, mean-spirited, vengeful view of the world said we should reconsider, probably, cases of gay marriage and contraception because of the right to privacy. And I know it's gobsmacking. I know for a guy like me who felt that, you know, when I came out in the 90s and I, I, again, had a blessed experience, things were starting to look up. They certainly aren't where they have gotten to. But as time has gone on, it seems like we've settled that. I mean, it's only seven years ago, sure, that marriage equality became the law of the land. But 
more people come out now than ever. More people identify as gay or queer, bisexual, uh, lesbian, trans, all that stuff. Uh, trans being, uh, I think, a bit a, a more challenging road, no doubt. And we'll talk about that. But I'll have gay brothers and sons and friends and have been to gay weddings. And it's it's really woven now into the tapestry of American life. So to think that that right would be taken away no longer seems unfathomable because women did lose the right to choose after basically 50 years of jurisprudence, Roe v. Wade, that said they had that. Again, Roe was then upheld in 92 in Planned Parenthood versus, versus Casey. The central premise of it, whether you agree with how they reasoned it or not, it was part of the Constitution that you had a private life, meaning you doesn't have to say that. It goes without saying that a country, right, that is based on supposedly limited government and self-government would allow you to self-govern, right, and, and self-govern your body. Not so fast, says a reactionary minority of this country, louder in their rhetoric, more strident, more angry from state legislatures uh, in red states to local school boards to judges who've been appointed in the last 40 plus years, all the way up, of course, to Congress and then the presidency, the MAGA movement and its adjacents who tried to overthrow our government on January 6th. That whole movement is now coalescing with a long aborning movement, a very, very, I believe, nefariously evil movement in the United States, and that's the religious right. And it's all coming together, you know? So happy pride means something else to me this year. No, nothing's changed in our laws. Nothing has come through yet that indicates that there's even going to be a case that would, let's say, or theoretically overturn a Burgerfell. But guess what the court will do? And this is grounded in what was once called the moral majority, and they're now called the religious right. Court probably gut it. How will they gut it? How will they chip away at it might actually be a better word. They will start to find, based on religion, this is a very religious court. Their rulings have been informed. There was a school prayer ruling this week that said a judge could make his players pray on a 50-yard line, Christian, of course, but it was Muslim or Hindu or Zoroastrian or Buddhist. You know that wouldn't have been the case. Probably not Jewish either, but certainly not Muslim. And that a school, a public school, could sanction effectively a group prayer. No one's taking away your right to pray privately. They did take away your right to choose, but you can pray wherever you want privately, but you can't under the sanction of a public school, which receives public money, right? Tax dollars. This court is grounded in a religious, I would say a, re a religious retrograde, um, if you will, a religious uh, reaction. And they will carve out, is what I suspect, and I think legal scholars suspect, they will carve out a religious liberty exemption um, when it comes to same-sex marriage. So right now, churches and synagogues, places of worship, as they should under the First Amendment, do not have to perform same-sex marriages. Many do, many of them do, but they're not under any requirement to. That's their house of worship, and that's fine. But I think you could see exceptions get carved out in a really, really horrible way where let's say, oh, well, you know, remember, we don't have to bake a wedding cake for gay people and sell it. Uh, well, maybe, you know, maybe wedding planners now can cite religious ex objections and all sorts of secular institutions could say, well, you know, I was raised a strict Catholic or I was a fundamentalist. I was a Baptist and, you know, I don't think we should do this. And so I'm going to, I'm going to say, no, I can't, I can't sanction what we thought was now a, you know, a, a secure 
federal constitutional right, the right to marry someone you love, regardless of their gender. That's what I think could happen because religion is what's going on here, folks. And I'm not saying it because I'm here to spew venom. I know religion can bring people lots of peace. Obviously, there's tons of religions in the world and many people worship regularly in it and it means something to them and there's a value to it. But not when the pretext for it is bigotry. Like I, I said in my in one of my fiery mon- stay dirty, stay moderate monologues about abortion, when we when the abortion leak happened before they overturned Roe, yeah, I went at Sam Alito because Sam Alito, to me, as are many of his cohorts, Catholic bigots, meaning their bigotry, their narrow myopic, and I believe anti-American view of the world isn't grounded in small C conservatism or limited government or some kind of Republican judicial philosophy, though they are Federalist Society people. So, no, it's grounded in. Catholicism and what the church doctrinally declares is correct for them. And yet we're founded on separation of church and state. You know, James Madison famously said the reason we have a separation of church and state is so that all the blood that soaked over the continent of Europe for centuries wouldn't come to these shores. That's right. I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what he said. You can read it in the Federalist Papers. You can read it in his writings. You can read it from all the founders. The religious aspect has been part of our politics now in a very, very, very vigilant, angry, and scary way being made manifest now ever since the religious right entered politics. Let's go back. They used to be called the moral majority. You probably remember Jerry Falwell since past of Pat Robertson, who was a big figure uh, in the 90s, the Christian coalition, which was sort of an outgrowth, a cousin of their moral majority part and parcel of it, I guess, was run by a young, renegade, boyish-faced Ralph Reed, who sold prayer in schools and pro-life and homophobia as just good God-fearing people doing the work, right? Doing God's work, you know, all the sanctimony, all the piety, all the bullshit, it was there. And remember, the religious right really didn't come into politics until the mid to late 70s. And actually, to be fair, Jimmy Carter brought them in. Jimmy Carter ran as a, uh, a born-again Christian, because he was, carried the entire Deep South, believe it or not, in 1976, over Gerald Ford. Gerald Ford and Betty Ford were the last really moderately liberal, old-school Republicans. I mean, they were pro-choice. I believe even Betty was for gay rights way back when. So it's kind of an interesting thing to see. They came in with Carter. They abandoned him. Of course, when Ronald Reagan came in in 1980, Ronald Reagan had been courting them since the 70s. Remember, he had run for president in 76 and nearly got the nomination from Ford and they were his base. So when Reagan got in, right, he wanted to give them a seat at the table. Even if he didn't mean Ronald Reagan like Donald Trump never went to church, suddenly became God's best friend, God's Lord Lieutenant here on earth, God's emissary, right? Same crap that they're doing now. But the problem is they came into politics. And, you know, they came into politics because they didn't want to have to go to integrated schools. Yeah. So what they did is they started creating all of these religious parochial schools so that they could be white. They could stay with white people. That's how these religious, a lot of these religious schools in the 70s came out, came about. They didn't want to be forced to integrate, especially Southern schools. So they said, well, we're going to have a religious school and then we can do what we want. You know, under those auspices, we've seen the outgrowth of so much activism, 40 years in the making, right? Reagan gets in in 80. It's only seven years after Ronald Reagan wins a landslide, uh, making Jimmy Carter a one-term president and they were off. Now, Reagan appointed a handful of Supreme Court justices, many of whom to tur- turned out to be pretty good from Anthony Kennedy 
to Sandra Day O'Connor, is Scalia not so much. But remember, he tried to get a guy called Robert Bork on the court. Robert Bork had been in the Nixon administration. He was a, a very highly educated lawyer and an extremely, extremely right-wing guy who famously openly said he didn't had written there was no constitutional right to privacy and really opposed much of the progress of the last 70 years, you know, the post-World War II changes in civil rights. And all. I said, the government had no business doing that. You know, he drenched it in fancy legal language. He was famously not confirmed in 1987. It's where the term borked came from. But my point in saying that is a lot of what Bork wanted is what the court is doing now. And Bork easily would have written those opinions. Bork has since passed, but easily would have been an ardent foe of what it means to be gay or bisexual or trans, to love who you love regardless, and for the Constitution to secure that. And, you know, the religious aspect of all of that is what makes, is what has made, is, is what has informed this movement, this, this firebrand movement, which brings us to a precipice in our democracy where all bets are off when it comes to privacy. Supreme Court in 2003, which is only 19 years ago, overturned a very famous famous law saying that inner, you couldn't commit you couldn't do sodomy or have uh, same sex sex uh, same gen you know you couldn't be gay in the bedroom you couldn't commit sodomy which also is defined as oral sex actually um, yeah they didn't actually overturn those that law it was a big case Lawrence v Texas. And it, and it overturned a uh, another case. I believe the case was Bowers v. Hardwick that had made sodomy um, the law in one of the states. And that sort of set the record. Supreme Court said, no, you can't have sodomy laws. Well, we learned, I learned today, I was reading this just before this, this broadcast today, that the Attorney General of Texas, Paxson, said that if a sodomy law was reinstated, he, as the Attorney General of Texas, would defend it. And he also has publicly said he doesn't think that you should have a right to have sex or have a relationship um, with someone of the same gender. I mean, folks, we're talking, you know, about things that, you know, writers have, have conjured up in sort of the worst kind of imaginations, right? To sort of show us the perils of fascism and hatred and homophobia and racism, right? And, but yet it is feeling more and more like a Margaret Atwood story, like a Handmaid's Tale, or like some kind of weird, repressive uh, throwback, right? To even the worst of Puritanism, you know, denial of the body, denial of the flesh, women as second-class citizens, more and more people stripped of their rights. And this is, again, a minority of people in 2021, folks. Gallup poll has a, it did a poll so last year, record high, 71% of the United States support same-sex marriage, and it continues to trend upward. I know, like me, you're probably thinking, how is it only 7, 10 Americans? But guess what? The younger generation, even Gen Z conservatives, feel like loving someone of the same gender is just the way it is, and that's how they've grown up, and they don't even think about that. You know, The idea of being homophobic or biphobic is, is, is verboten, is disgusting. Well, that is the majority of people, though, not the majority of Gen Z, the 71%. And that's... That's the popular will, right? That's the will of the people. And the court now may threaten that, right? The whole trans community is so violently under attack, a small percentage of this country with people who don't feel comfortable in their body or question their gender identity. They have a right to do that. Why do you care? Why do you care if they do? Why don't you think of it this way? 
In 2022, the National Library of Medicine, very important organization, did a poll. And the data on the transgender uh, on transgender individuals, on the trans experience here in the United States, we're supposed to be a free country, right? Well, 82%, 82% of transgender individuals who had been surveyed have considered killing themselves, right? And 40% have attempted so. Now imagine those numbers in any other group. You wouldn't. If you read that, 82% of Latino people wanted to kill themselves or African-Americans or, you know, straight white men, which that would never happen, but still, you think that this wouldn't be a national crisis? Their crisis is our crisis. Martin Luther King said it best, an injustice anywhere is an injustice everywhere. And folks, on behalf of the LGBTQ community, I can't speak for everybody, but we fought hard for this. I, I stand on the shoulders of giants who are gone. AIDS took their life because the federal government didn't do anything about it and ravaged so much of the gay community that would still be with us. I came of age at a different time, but I still was gay in 1995, right? Or came out as gay in 1995. And here we are, right, in 2022. And people do have an easier time doing it because the culture has made it so and the laws have followed. But what if the laws don't follow? How prideful can we be? What does that mean for the United States of America? Wasn't the Republican Party supposed to be the party of limited government, the party of don't tread on me, right? That's what makes me an independent folks. In the most principled way, this idea of a government, of self-governing, of a government that is curtailed and limited is a government which makes us all free. Republicans have decided that the government is their best friend, not when it comes to environmental regulation, which they like to see gutted, or the social safety net, be it school lunches or, or Medicare, Medicaid, anything that's good for people, high school, preschool. No, but when it comes to persecuting trans people or, or affirming sodomy laws or passing seemingly anti-gay laws, then the government is there to tread on you. And folks, I'm an independent because I principally believe that federal government, a big government that giveth is a government which taketh away. And here we are a year out uh, for probably potential decision or potential case may be going through the court. The court's term is now over. They'll resume in October. I don't know if they're going to agree here. Any challenges to a Burgerfeld, the same-sex marriage case or anything. But who knows? Weirdly enough, the Bostock decision just last term had uh, Gorsuch and Roberts in the majority endorsing the idea that there were civil rights protections. Civil Rights Act of 64 forbade, because you can't discriminate on the basis of sex, forbade discrimination against gay and trans individuals in the workplace. And remember, there had not been a 50-state equality law. There still hasn't been one that's been able to get through Congress that secured that. Well, the court has a decision. Bostock, go read it from 2021. Uh, might have been 2020, actually, but whichever. But the point is, we are here and we are being tread on. We are going into a dark time, I fear. And I say to my gay brothers and sisters, my trans brothers and sisters, my lesbian sisters, my pansexual brothers and sisters, anybody, all my bisexual friends, we are in a fight for our survival. And we are becoming a nation, right, where it isn't about pride, but it is about prejudice. And that prejudice threatens our privacy. Folks, I still do want to wish you all a happy pride. We're all in it, and we have tons of 
straight allies who are fighting hard for us. Dirty Moderates, thank you as always for listening. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast so you don't miss a single episode. There's a lot of content. We've been out covering the January 6th hearings thoroughly. Don't miss it. And after you subscribe and listen to our podcast or as you're doing so, make sure you go to vote.org. I say it every week, vote.org, vote.org. Folks, we fight like hell for democracy. That's why this podcast was created. You better believe we subscribe to the idea that love is love is love, no matter who's doing the love. Thanks for joining me. Stay dirty, stay moderate, and stay safe.